Hi guys, and welcome back to the Planchette Podcast. We are your hosts, Dominic and Andy. This week's episode is going to be kind of different because we've only done one episode kind of like it. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know what it is, by the way. I know you don't. I know. I feel like the last couple of weeks we've known because we've done like re-recordings and then before that we kind of let it slip. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while since I've been unknown to what you were going to do. So I'm excited to hear what's going on. This is true. This is definitely true. I've definitely been... This was a kind of a one that kind of fell into my lap and I was like, I want to do that. So our podcast is called The Planchette Podcast after all. And we really only have one episode on the history of the Ouija board. This episode is going to be a different take on that. I would like to take another crack at it eventually with the history, but I'm going to do something a little bit different today. So the only thing I would like to say is, are you ready? Here's some creepy shit. I am so ready. This episode is going to be on the Ouija boards and the crimes that surround them. Ooh, real life stuff. Real life stuff. Let's go. So Ouija boards are known to be kind of like talking boards and they allow you to speak to the other side, supposedly, which sounds like something out of a horror movie. And it's not like the most original one. It's like one of the ones that you see like a dime a dozen. So these stories are a little bit different, which again, sounds kind of mundane and everything with the Ouija board, but our first crime is going to take place in the 1930s. Wow. Yeah. This crime involves a woman by the name of Clotilde Marchand. She's French. Okay, but I was about to say, is she American? <laughs> no, she's French. And she was the wife of a man by the name of Henry Marchand. He was a highly regarded artist and a renowned sculptor. Clotilde was found dead at the foot of her stairs at, at her Buffalo, New York home on March 6, 1930. At first glance, it looks like she had died from a fall down the stairs. Once you step closer, you can see that she was not fallen, but rather beaten to death. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Wilson, wow. They were initially suspecting her husband of the crimes, but when investigators found a new person of interest, they kind of jumped on it. A woman by the name of Lila Jimerson, who was having an affair with Henry Marchand. Jimerson had an accomplice, she had an acquaintance by the name of Nancy Bowen, and these two murdered Clotilde. Although Jimerson was not there, she was kind of the pushing force. Lila Jimerson was a 36-year-old reservation school worker, and Nancy Bowen was a 66-year-old tribal hero. Healer. Blech. Tribal healer? Yes. So this involves a reservation in America, and these two rich French people came into, well, specifically he came into there and was kind of like working on a diorama, supposedly, for a, for a museum he was working at. A diorama? Yes. What's a diorama? Kind of like a big display, but like using art instead of like people and everything like that. Like oh, they okay. would have like a painted background with like, kind of like, I would say, mannequins dressed. And oh, like that. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Nancy Bowen, she was the one that was 66 years old. She was the tribal healer. She pulled a hammer on Clotilde and beat her badly. She then finished the job by stuffing a chloroform-soaked piece of paper down her throat. You could say that Nancy Bowen is uncalled for in her crimes, but I'm going to let you know on something that 
Lila Jimerson did to make Nancy Bowen commit this crime. So you may ask how Lila Jimerson convinced Nancy Bowen to help her murder a woman she had never had no connection with whatsoever, other than maybe meeting her husband once or twice. Jimerson used a Ouija board, which she manipulated to convince Bowen that Clothilde, who was a witch and was to blame for the death of Bowen's recently deceased husband, and she told Bowen that she was next on Clothilde's uh, list for people to kill. Damn. Bowen could not even read, so she just took Jimerson's word. Oh my god. Yeah. Learn to read, ladies and gentlemen. So, after that, Clothilde's 12-year-old son found the body and ran to the science museum to tell his father. Police interviewed neighbors, and they said that there was a Native American woman casing the home of the Marchands before the murder. Henry had worked on the Cataragas Reservation. He was asked if the Native Americans had any reason to harm his wife. He immediately directed him them to one of the models he used by the name of Lila Jimerson. By 10 p.m. the day of the ki- um, the day of the killing, Jimerson and Nancy Bowen were in custody for murder. The media painted these two women in a horrible light, even calling um, Jimerson very ugly, everything toothless, hairless, pretty much, pretty much making him look like a savage. Wow! So they went in. Yes. Oh. Marchin was a disgusting person. Uh, he was having affair with having affairs with these Native American women, as he was supposed to be like getting information, getting models, and everything like that. He was having an affair with these women. Another reason why I know Marchin was a disgusting piece of shit was after his wife was dead, he married his 18-year-old dead wife, or married his dead wife's 18-year-old niece. Well, that's a bit weird, don't yeah. you think? After the, after his wife dies, he's like, I'm going to marry her niece. That's really weird. Yeah. Oh, I hate people like that. Oh, I agree. Jimerson was acquitted following everything that was proceeding in the courtroom. She obviously had some kind of motive for this, but she was not the one that committed the crime again. Wow. So she didn't get anything. She didn't get anything. Bowen was released after pleading guilty to manslaughter and accepting a sentence of time served. Wow. Mm -hmm. See, I feel like she should have at least been sentenced to like accessory to murder. Right. She obviously had a role in it. Therefore you need to be punished. Oh, I agree. I agree. But I do. uh, Honestly, if they would have killed him, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have batted an eye. That would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. We need less people like that in the world. Exactly. So our next crime that we are going to talk about is on, takes place on November 18th, 1933. There was a man by the name of Ernest Turley and he was shot twice in the back. And his daughter was the only one that was near him when these shots were fired. Maddie, the little girl, had fired these shots, and she was claiming that she was trying to shoot a skunk, but accidentally tripped and shot her father. Call him bullshit on that one. <laughs> Call bullshit? Call him bullshit on that one. Why are you trying to shoot a skunk? <laughs> Where where was this taking place, by the way? Uh, this one, I'm gonna say it's all. They're all in the United States. I'm gonna say this one's a little bit more rural. So I'm telling you right now, the population of skunks isn't that high in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that she's trying to kill a low population of animal, red flag instantly. First of all, why are you hunting skunks? Number two, 
when you trip, you're shooting twice. Nah. <laughs> Not happening. I've done it before. You've done it before? You've tripped and shot once? We need to, we need to edit that out. <laughs> Her father does eventually die from his wounds. And when he died, Maddie changed her story. She now said that her mother, Dorothea, and her were playing with a Ouija board, and they were both ordered by forces that were not visible to kill Ernest, which was her father. I don't know which one's more believable, if I'm being honest. Did the Ouija board tell you, or did you miss a skunk? Think of a better story. Come on. And the reason that the Ouija board told them to do this was so that Dorothea could marry a man that would make her happier than Ernest. After the Ouija board had given its final word, Dorothea assured Maddie that she would not be arrested for listening to the orders of a Ouija board. Dorothea denied all of this, but she ended up being found guilty. This is all, again, according to Maddie, the person who lied about shooting her father twice in the back by tripping. By tripping. Yes. You all know you shoot once when you trip. (laughs) So flash forward three years, the Supreme Court of Arizona... This was in Arizona. Uh, again, skunk population. I'm telling you right now, the skunk population in Arizona is very little. They don't survive <laughs> in that kind of temperature. I'm telling you right now, mate. They reversed the conviction based on the fact that the trial court had refused to allow evidence that Maddie, who spent her first, who spent her fir- uh, first formative years, a part of her childhood, in a juvenile detention center, and never spoke to her mother. After all of this, Maddie was lying to get rid of both of her parents. Seems pretty crazy to me. I know. Yeah. These, again, these are some, like, these crimes that I'm reading about are pretty fucking interesting. When I was doing this research, I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, my God. She shot twice? (laughs) (laughs) The next crime that we will be talking about is a bit of a jump ahead in time. It's going to take place in 1983. Oh, the 80s. Mm-hmm. The swinging 80s. Is that what they call it? Or is it swinging 70s? I don't know. I think, I don't know, honestly. Hmm. This crime is a very odd one, to say the least. 16 year old Bunny Dixon told her boyfriend, who was 25 years old. That's not her name. That is her name. There's no way in, her name is Bunny Dixon. In the court documents, it's Bunny Dixon. I don't believe you. We, <laughs> need, we need a copy of those court docs right away. <laughs> I'll show you. So, Buddy Dixon, the 16-year-old, had a 25-year-old boyfriend. He was a man by the name of Anthony Hall. So, they were accompanied by another couple, and Bunny told them that the Ouija board that she was using instructed them to run away from him. They were currently living in Florida. Makes a lot of sense. You don't like Florida? It's not that I dislike Florida. Just a lot of crazy stuff comes out from Florida. This is true. Especially someone named Bunny Dixon. They're kind of set up to fail. Bunny Dixon. Bunny Dixon in Florida. Yeah, that's a news That's a news article right there. So they were currently living in Florida, and per accounts, the Ouija board told them to run away to join a carnival in Virginia. Bunny Dixon at the carnival. In Virginia? <laughs> in Virginia. So these assholes that were involved with this plan were Daniel Paul Bowen and Elizabeth Town. Bowen was 23 and Town was 18. At least she was legal. Yeah. But Buddy Dixon was 16 with a 25 year old man. Still weird. 
they had to get some money before they took on these plans, right? This master plan oh, comes God. into... What, what, what did they do? I, I guarantee whatever they, they did to try and get money was stupid. It and is I, stupid. I, did they fail at getting that money? No, they got the money. Oh my God, okay. So these four decide that the only way that they're going to come up with cash was to rob a motorist. And the worst part was kill them afterwards. Not only just rob them and take their car, right? they were going to kill them. <sighs> they murdered a 25-year-old... Uh, by the name of Nock Van Dang. He was a man. Good to know. I, he was a man. That's literally when I looked up Nock Van Dang, because I was like trying to find more information, a bunch of people came up and I was like, I, is this a man's name? And it was a man's name. I was okay. just making sure. They were abducted Van Dang, threw him in the trunk of his own car, and drove him into the woods. Bunny Dixon was, quote, a Satan worshiper per the Orlando Sentinel article, as well as testimony given by Hall, Dixon mutilated Van Dang as a way to mark him as a sacrifice. Hall and Bowen shot him to end Hall's to end Hall's testimony to finish the job. I have a feeling Bunny Dixon needs that own episode. Oh, I I'd I'd do that. That's wild. I I agree. Following the crime, the two couples turn on one another and ultimately results in their arrest. Oh, so, hey, you get what you fucking deserve. I agree. The next crime I'm going to tell you about is in 1995. It happened in London. Oh, really? So this is the one, I'm pretty sure this is the only one that's outside the US. Can I just say something right now? Like, <laughs> I'm from England, yes. right? So if, if anyone doesn't know this, but if you ever meet anyone from England, don't just ask if they're from London. Because <laughs> London and England, believe it or not, are two separate places. This is true. London is in England. It is the capital of England. You don't ask someone who's from America, are you from DC? Just wanted to put that out there. You know, I'm going to start asking, are you from DC? We'll be in Tennessee next time. Are you from DC? <laughs> You're from DC, right? <laughs> so don't, okay, let me guess. So we've had Bunny Dixon. Is this the person that we're about to talk about? Is his name Big Dick Freddy or something? No, not Big Dick Freddy. Okay. His name is Michael. Michael. Michael McCallum. Mm, Big Dick Michael. <laughs> Big Dick Michael. I think Michael's got a little dick. So, it happened in London. A teenager by the name of Michael McCallum tricked a young boy by the name of Michael Eridge to come into his apartment and play with a Ouija board with him. This teenager was what he believed to be a Satanist, but in reality, he was just a sadistic fuck. Uh, yeah, one of those little psychos who say they're a Satanist. Yeah. Yeah. His best, his bedroom was a shrine to the devil, apparently, according to testimony. See, here's the thing: if I was the other Michael, Michael number two, yeah, Michael I saw that, I'm out. Yeah, all right, <laughs> peace out. You know, I see that the Ouija board's out. The other Michael's probably naked. Probably. Peace out. Peace out. His walls were covered in posters of the devil. All of all over the images were images of torture and human sacrifice this is why i will never be a victim <laughs> you'd be like i will nah. never put myself in that situation you'd be like, nah out i'm out ever peace out michael big michael peace out big michael <laughs> big mike <laughs> so again there are also heavy metal records all over the floor and on his tv the words devil man killer 666 were scrawled on the tv as well as a pentacle or a pentagram. I saw conflicting reports. I looked up what a pentacle was, and it just came up as a pentagram. So I guess it's a British oh. way of saying pentagram. Pentagram! Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> so in 
So I was like, all right, we're going to say pentagram. So McCallum began to play with the Ouija board and the board spelled out kill according to McCallum. Hmm. McCallum pushed a little, pushed little Michael Eridge onto the bed and began to choke him and stab him. He stabbed him with a knife that was a near a foot long and stabbed him 11 times in his chest and neck. Got nothing to say about that. He was admitted to a hospital where he acted very strange. He literally was, he said he was doing his master's bidding and that he, in a demonic panic, apparently, killed two frogs prior to this. Killed two frogs? Yes, to appease his master. So every time you, you told a story, right? Yes. I thought the first one was pretty crazy. Yeah. Then you told me the second story. I was like, oh, that's crazy too. Then you told me the third story. I was like, that's wild. Now this one? <laughs> I think this this tops it, if I'm being honest. So you're going to, like this next story, in my opinion, this is the craziest one for me. So I feel like this one tops it as well. The next one is yes. the crazier one? To, to me. Oh my God. I don't think I'm ready for this. I think you are. I already got the shivers. <laughs> the next crime that we are going to talk about takes place in the year 2000s now. Specifically, 2001. 53-year-old Carol Sue Elviker was a grandmother at this point of her life. She had no history of mental illness or even odd behavior. Police are investigating the stabbing death of her son-in-law, and they found no signs of alcohol, drug abuse, or even domestic problems at the home. What they did find, however was a Ouija board. And apparently this board is what made Elviker stab 34 year old Brian Roach, her son-in-law in his sleep. This small town was rocked by this killing as this town only had a population of 1400 people and was located 30 miles away from the next major city, which was Oklahoma city. Elviker was charged with first degree murder when she was apprehended. The police found Roach dead at his home on Sunday from one stab wound to his chest. This was originally looked at as a domestic violence investigation, and then police learned the true details. Here's what happened to Roach. Elvikar and her daughter, Tammy Sue Roach, and her two daughters, ages 15 and 10, were playing with a Ouija board while Brian Roach was asleep. Elvikar then attacks Brian Roach following the Ouija board seance. Elviker is also suspected of trying to kill her 10-year-old granddaughter. She thought that the 10-year-old was evil, and she all thought her father was evil as well. She was successful in killing her father, though. I think there's drugs involved in this one. You think there's drugs involved? Yeah. Tammy Roach took the knife away from Elviker and hid it in the house before she left with Roach and her two children. So her, the grandmother... Left with the mom and the two kids in a getaway car, pretty much. And this all stemmed from them playing with a Ouija board. Yes. Elviker was driving. First of all, who let her drive after this? I mean, at that point, I think logic just goes out the window. It goes out the window? Yeah. So they were all driving towards Tulsa on Interstate 44, and Elviker crashes on her own volition, and she believed that she was trying to kill all of them at the same time. And there was no previous evidence no. of any mental health issues no. or anything like that. None. See, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Because the other ones, yeah, they, they all stemmed from like a little bit of, you know, yeah, mental they, issues. Yeah, they had some background. Yeah. 
So after the crash, Elvaker broke both of her ankles and the others were slightly injured. And Elvaker, after this accident, tried to push her 15-year-old granddaughter into traffic. Despite her injuries, Elvaker fled the scene, ripped all of her clothes off, and jumped over the highway barriers and ran into a wooden area around the highway. The police found her hiding where she was apprehended and the daughter was charged as an accessory. So she had two broken ankles and she and leapt over a, yeah. a fucking thing and just ran into the woods. Yeah, so I'm, I think I might Naked. be with, with the, I think I might be with you on the drug part. Yeah. It's a little bit of meth right there. <laughs> a little bit of meth? A little bit of meth. I mean, it's Oklahoma. What do you think else there is to do? Meth and... I guess if they're doing Ouija boards, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. We are named the Planchette Podcast. <laughs> we love all this stuff, yeah? Yes. Never done a Ouija board. Nope. Want to know why? It's not a fucking idiot. That's why. <laughs> I agree. The next crime takes place in 2007, and it involves two teenage boys, Joshua Tucker and Donald Schlatchen. Do you know I'm scared? This is what i got in my head right now. This is what kind of an overthinker I am. Okay. So you're coming closer and closer to this time, right? Yeah. You're going to be like, and the next one was 2023. <laughs> and you're going to start stabbing me. Oh, yeah. You're not going to stab me, are you? <laughs> you promise? I've never played Because i got to go to Lowe's after this and go pick something up. you got to go to Lowe's after this? Yeah, okay. so if you do plan on doing anything, do it. Do it after you go to Lowe's? Yeah, because I do need to pick something up from Lowe's. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll maybe do it afterwards. It. Appreciate it. So they were playing with the Ouija board and asked it if, quote, they should become serial killers. And, of course, the board said yes. Of course it did. Yeah, what would the board say? Oh, no, definitely not. Study. <laughs> Study. Study hard. Go to college. There are reports that Tucker's behavior changed quite drastically after the purchase of the Ouija board. Is that when he became an NFL kicker for the Ravens? No. No. That's, his name is Joshua Tucker. Ah, not could Justin. Be, could be, ah, alias. Yeah, you know, no. <laughs> Joshua Tucker. Yeah. If you change it from Joshua to Justin, it seems less conspicuous because it seems too close and too obvious. Too close. If I was on the run, I'd change my name to Andre. You change your name to Andre? Yeah, Andre Cashmore. Okay. 3,000. So his behavior began to change. Tucker was living at the Slatchin home and told his friend Donald that he began to fantasize about raping and killing people. He what? He began to fantasize about raping and killing people. He told his friend this? Yes. How old are these guys? Uh, they're like, so one is, so Donald is 15 and Josh is 16. So on December 20th, 2007, West Richland, Washington police would get a call for, from a 911 operator and the call would come from the home. But by the time that they had arrived, they had found 15 year old Donald and 16 year old Josh trying to flee in a white pickup truck. One of the neighbors told them that they heard agonizing screams coming from that within the house. Investigators came went inside the house and they found something that they were not expecting. In the front door lay the body of 13-year-old Elizabeth Slatchin, Donald's sister. What? Yes. They Tucker took a knife and then sliced the teen's throat as she was talking on the phone. That's fucked up. Oh, I agree. The second victim was Donald's mother. They, they got two people? They killed the they killed his sister and his mother. What? Donald's mother, Lori, was lying motionless on her back in the in the back bedroom 
Lori walked in on the boys as they were trying to clean up after killing Elizabeth. Tucker began to chase Lori and stabbed her several times. When the knife broke, Slatchin handed Tucker a dumbbell and a meat cleaver to, quote, finish the job. A dumbbell and a meat cleaver? Yes. The fuck do you need both of them for? I don't know. Lori, however, was alive when investigators went in, but she did die en route to the hospital. Yeah. Tucker was sentenced to 40 years, but slashing got a plea deal of nine and a half years, considering he did not deliver any of the blows. Yeah, I know. And there was people protesting when he got that deal. That's insane. I know. Again, another one that could probably do an episode on. Yeah. The next Ouija board inspired crime takes place in 2012 now. Getting closer. <laughs> I'll wait until after Liz. Appreciate it. A teenager with an undisclosed name in Texas is charged with the stabbing of his 14-year-old friend, who is also unnamed. The 15-year-old alleges that a Ouija board made him do it. He was charged after trying to stab his friend with a 4-inch knife on February 29th. He pulled the weapon on his friend in the wooded area behind the high school in West Laco, which is a small town in Texas. This victim did not die, however, and remained in the ICU for three days following this attack. So he, so, okay, so that one didn't result in a death? No, that one didn't result in a death. That was just an assault. And the police did not name either boy, and as far as we know, um, the child who, well, not child, he's a teenager, this teenager, the cop couldn't believe what happened. He was like, maybe he couldn't separate reality from fiction at this point. Uh, we don't know. The next, what he, well, I will say this about him. He did, however, take his friend who he had just stabbed to a auto mechanic and was like, call the police. Like, call, like he did have show remorse after he did it. Wow. Yeah. So he's the only one that showed remorse too. So I don't know if he's still in a um, facility or anything like that, but yeah. I feel like after that, that's like a lifetime. Of- oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. Next crime is going to take place in 2015. <laughs> Donald Harding was convicted of murder of his mother and two half brothers. Bro, there's a lot of family murders going on with these Ouija boards, you know? Yes, there are. On July 31st, 2015, the bodies of three people were found inside their home in Pensacola, which is also in Florida, I'm pretty sure. Close. These victims were Von Seal Smith, 77. John William Smith, 49, and Richard Thomas Smith, 47. These bodies were found three days after they were killed. All three victims had their throats slit and were severely beaten with a claw hammer. However, Richard was shot in the head. Deputies believed the killings were ritualistic because their their person of interest was linked to religious practices at this time. The crime took place on a blue moon, so they referred to him as the Blue Moon Killer. Oh. They apprehended their suspect on the same day, actually, July 31st, 2015. It was Donald Wayne Harding, 63 years old. His home was searched by the authorities, and they, quote, found questionable evidence. They found the clothes that he was wearing during the murders, as well as the possible murder weapons. And also what they considered a pagan worship room, according to Court TV. 
a pagan uh pagan worship room oh man yeah i tell you something that pagan that pagan stuff like they did do like human sacrifices mm-hmm. yeah and they said that it had to do with the blue moon but there's some things that we will talk about you want to you want to know something like when i first heard about blue moons and stuff i thought that was the color of the moon <laughs> I legit Happens thought. Once in a blue moon. I legit thought that the moon turned blue. I like that. I like it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not happy to admit that. I know now. I've learned. But when I went to go see, I forgot what color the moon was. But when I went to go see it one time, it wasn't the color they said it was going to be. Slightly disappointed. You're disappointed. Yeah. They say that these crimes were not ritualistic, according to some investigators. They believe it had to do more with the finances. A prosecution witness does allege, though, that while Harding was locked up, a prosecution witness alleges that while Harding was in lockup, he claims that Harding told him that a Ouija board convinced him to commit these murders. But it is still under speculation that he was planning to do this either way for financial gain. But it is of note that why would this guy come out of nowhere to say this? Yeah. Yeah, especially someone that didn't know him. You Just know, a stranger in lockup. We're, we're pretty good at, like, finding the finer details of this stuff, you know? I yeah. think we'd be good private investigators. We should do that. Oh, that'd be fun. It would be fun. So the last crime that I'm going to tell you about is actually going to go back. It's going to take place in the 70s. Oh, right. <laughs> Fuck that. <sighs> so this whole time, in- I've been so scared. Psycho takes place in 2023. <laughs> The last crime is going to take place on the year 1976. Swing in 70s. <laughs> 70s. So Gary Gilmore was a man, and he shot two men to death in Utah or 19, in July of 1976. He actually demanded that he be executed for his crimes. He didn't wait for a court hearing. He wanted to be executed. It is then later revealed by Gilmore's younger brother, Michael, through a book that he wrote, A Shot in the Heart, where he alleges that his mother, Bessie, believed that she conjured a demon through a Ouija board when she was a child. Bessie believed that this demon attached herself attached itself to her entire family, including the future children that she would have. In Gary's case, Bessie was adamant that the demon is what caused Gary to lead a life full of anger and violence. Gilmore was ex- executed in 1977, and his brother believes all of this to be true through the research that he inducted through his family and the accounts that his mother told him. Jeez. Yeah. Those are all of the Ouija board crimes as of right now. This might become another oh, volume cool. one or two. Yeah, I'll be down for that. Those were really interesting. I couldn't believe when I was reading these, I was like, holy yeah. fuck. A lot of those could legitimately like be their own episodes. I know. That was crazy. That was some there was some wild people right I, there. I would do a full, I would do episodes on those. I thought they were just fucking yeah. wild. Ooh. And I do like that it kind of relates to the, you know, the title of the yeah. podcast, you know, yeah. bringing things around. Yeah. I was like, we haven't done, and I was like, I would like to redo my Ouija board history, but we haven't done one in a while. So I was like, I'm going to do this one. Yeah. Especially, I loved it. That was fun. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit heavy, but it's also like, what the hell? Yeah. Like you were, I wasn't expecting when I started doing the research. And so I can only imagine you were like, 
Yeah. And I, I, I love the fact that I had no idea what today's episode was going to be mm-hmm. because that was like a, it was a nice little treat. Yes, it was. So, Andy, next week is your episode. It is. And I can't wait for it. I'm going to do a feature-length episode on the Boggy Creek monster. Okay, I'm down for that. <laughs> Can we talk about, can, do you bring samples of his shit? Or? I Actually, yeah, I already have it. I've just been keeping it secret. I got, I got it stored away in the, in the freezer. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna let it dethaw enough though, so we get the full effect of oh, the God. Creek shit. Oh god, the smell! Hey, hey, you asked for it. Oh, yeah, fair enough. We got three toed. Uh, I can't do it. There we go. Three toed footprints. You, you, this is not a visual medium. <laughs> See, this is why we need to start recording these because I have no idea what. You, what is that? That's his foot. <laughs> He's got three toed foot. There's the one, the two, and then the last I one. I thought you were going for one in the stink, two in the pink right there. <laughs> oh my god. So now, as always on the Planchet Podcast, we hope you guys enjoy this episode. And always, as always, don't forget to say... Goodbye.